Amen. Thank you, guys. Can we just open our hearts to the Lord? Just thank you, uh, Brother Lance. Can we say thank you to Lance for leading us? And um, just want a, a shameless, a shameless celebration. We've been outdoors. How many weeks have been outdoors, Robert? Like fifteen. A lot of weeks. And you know, I've been. I, I'm a worship leader at heart, obviously, and but it has been the best thing for our church. Um, we've had. Um, just multiple worship leaders. We've had 15 different uh, weekends of different worship leaders. So can we just say thank you to all the team who stepped up, um, to Raphael, to Lance, to Israel, to Jade, to Karen, um, uh, Veronica, duh, Patrick has been doing amazing. And just want to honor all of our teams and all of our volunteers. And, you know, obviously all of our volunteers who set up week in and week out outdoors, we love you. And uh, let's just give everyone honor where honor is due. We bless you. We love you. Thank you for your effort. All of those who just worked so, di- so, and can we just say thank you to my wife? Cause she's amazing for, for uh, all that she puts up with, with me. <laughs> this is a word today and I'm not going to rush. And I have accountability with one of my best friends. I, I told him to hold me accountable when he asked me some questions tomorrow about how Sunday went. Um, so I'm just going to get right into it. Let's open our hearts to the, to the word. Father, thank you for being our teacher by the Holy Spirit today. Father, I just feel like the word today is so important that our spiritual family in person and online, those who'd considered Cornerstone home, that they would grab a hold of. And more importantly, I pray that it would grab a hold of them and grab a hold of us as we reflect on what does it mean to be your people in 2020 in this time in this moment and so we just ask holy spirit for ears i pray for the grace of hearing the grace of understanding and wisdom father we love you we pray for those in attendance today and those online that they would hear the call to follow you fish for people as a family we would get caught up in this great kingdom venture, joining Jesus in the renewal of all things. So come Holy Spirit, rest upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be uh, really just riffing off the first few chapters of the gospel of Mark. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark. I'll just start with Mark chapter 1. Jesus' forerunner, John the Baptist, has just been imprisoned. He was in the wilderness preaching a gospel of repentance and readiness so that Israel and all of those who had ears to hear would be ready to receive her king and Messiah. John's ministry was singular to prepare the way for the one who was coming. And in many ways, how many of you believe we all share in John's ministry, constantly preparing and pointing others to the one who is to come? And so John's in prison. Jesus John's cousin doesn't skip a beat. He picks up his message and carries it forward to a place that John couldn't bring it. You see, John was the greatest man born of a woman, the greatest prophet up to this point. But all he could do was point to the one who would bring the kingdom. Jesus Christ was able to say, the kingdom has come with me. Do you understand that? In Mark 1.14, it says, later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last. He announced, the kingdom of God is 
near or at hand. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. What Jesus is claiming here is nothing short of God's decisive, destined moment. God is breaking in and he's acting. He's intervening and he's splitting history in the ministry and life of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus has already won the major battle with the devil. If you remember the the 40 days in the wilderness where the decisive battle was over the identity, if you really are the son of God, and over the mission, then turn these stones to bread, jump off the temple, bow down and worship me. The enemy is attacking Jesus at the place of his identity and his mission and how he'll accomplish that mission. At the end of the day, the enemy is trying to get Jesus on any other road except for the road that leads to the cross. He's trying to get Jesus to buy into how every other kingdom worked. Stones to bread, the economic route. Temple jumping, the religious, the applause, approval, spectacular route. Or bowing down to worship him, the kingdoms of the earth, the militaristic political campaign route. And the son... Jesus Christ entrusts himself to his father at every temptation so that when he starts his ministry, he's able to say the kingdom of God is here, it's at hand, and it's breaking forth in and through my life. He's conquered the enemy to try to inaugurate and establish his kingdom in the way of every other kingdom. But how many know every other kingdom will crack, falter, fail? The only kingdom that will last forever is Hebrews 12, the kingdom that rests upon the shoulders of King Jesus. And so it was so important that Jesus establishes and begins his ministry on the firm footing of a kingdom that at its end will be unshakable, everlasting, and unending. And so Jesus conquers the enemy. The son had a mission. Say that with me. The son had a mission to inaugurate, to enact, to embody and express the kingdom of God and all of its implications on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus had a mission. It was to seek and save that which was lost. How many are thankful? Jesus had a mission to form a few disciples who would then continue his ministry after he was bodily raised and ascended and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Jesus had a mission to shed his blood, to ratify God's new covenant of the Holy Spirit released and given to all of those who would repent and believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus had a mission, and central to all of his mission was the cross. I love this quote from uh, Scott McKnight. It says this, that the character of the king shapes the character of the kingdom and life for its citizens. In Jesus's story, It's a story of cruciform or cross-shaped love. Now that the king is here, now that the king has died and raised in order to rule, we must recall that a kingdom gains its profile from its king. And that means the cruciform King Jesus creates a cruciform kingdom. And when Jesus shows up after conquering the enemy through the wilderness temptations, he's able to set the terms to embody and express the way his kingdom will operate and function in and through his ministry and life. If you want to know what the kingdom of God is like, we look to the king. And we all said amen. The king shapes the contours, the character of his kingdom. 
And in this case, this is part of the extremely good news of the gospel. What is the kingdom of God? I had, I had a lunch meeting with a couple friends this week, and I just asked them, and how would you answer that? What is the kingdom of God? Turn to your neighbor and answer it. What's the kingdom of God? One of the best ways to get at it is, th- is this. It's God's active, dynamic rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, Dallas Willard, the, the brilliant thinker, scholar, said the kingdom is really the range of God's effective will, where his will is being carried out or done. I like to say it like this. The kingdom is where who God is, what God loves, wills, and does is being carried out. And how many know that right now in this place outdoors, or if you're watching online, if you're in alignment and agreement with who the King is, Jesus Christ, that you have access to the realm, to the reign, and to the rule of what it looks like when God is in charge. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, Jesus starts his ministry announcing. This is not Jesus giving us his opinion. This is not Jesus promising us an empty campaign slogan. He is saying, From this day forward, things are definitively different because of my presence in your midst. The kingdom of God is the the king who is reigning and ruling among the king's people who give give themselves to practice the ways of their king and the power and presence of the king himself. You think, Chad, we don't live in a world where we use the language of kingdom very often. But how many know that all of you have a kingdom? It's called the kingdom of self. And the kingdom is that little sphere or space and place where you are in charge, or so you think. I get an amen. If you don't believe in kingdoms, then I encourage you to volunteer the next time you're asked for the nursery. The kingdom, everyone has a kingdom because everyone's born in the image of God with the ability to choose, with the ability to want and crave and long and reach for things. And this is what institutes a kingdom. And the reason why the world is such a crazy mess is because that's like 7 billion little intersecting kingdoms of self. And this is why Jesus emerges in the story and he's saying, the king, the kingdom, the one you all long for, the one you're trying to create and shape in your own vision of utopia. I'm the only one that can deliver on all that you dream and hope, but you've got to respond to the decisive moment in time that I am here, the king is here, and I'm inviting you to lay down your crown so that you can participate in my kingdom. And on earth, we see all the little kingdoms of people intersecting and merging and bumping heads and families and corporations and nations and economic, political, cultural systems. And this whole mess, Jesus breaks into history and he announces the kingdom that is unshakable, unending and everlasting is in your midst. I'm asking and I'm actually calling you to respond to my kingdom. So what is repentance? One of my mentors used to say it just like this. Repentance is the call or invitation to switch allegiance. Say that with me. Repentance is an invitation 
to switch allegiance. It would be ludicrous for for Jesus' day, for a new Caesar to be born and for all of his heralds to go to the various provinces of his rule and say, King Caesar so-and-so was born. And if you feel like submitting to his rule or you just want to invite him to be a part of a little bit of part of your life, then that's cool. How many know no king in history has ever operated their kingdom as such? And so when Jesus announces the definitive moment that the kingdom of God is here, the reign and the rule of God, the decisive moment where who God is is fully revealed, where what God wants, what God loves, what God wills is being done in and through the Son and His ministry. Jesus doesn't just say, and if you feel like responding, respond. He's saying, repent and believe the good news that the King of the everlasting, unending, eternal kingdom is in your midst and He's calling you to become a citizen in His kingdom. And so repentance is the call to switch allegiance, to acknowledge the true king is in our midst, and I am not him, and you are not him. Jesus Christ is the king. And so Jesus is in this one announcement. He's saying, follow me. He's saying, repent, change kings, stop whatever path you're on, and whatever means you think are necessary to get to the end of the vision that you're clinging to and hoping for, and get in on my kingdom story instead. I like to say it like this. Repentance is the entrance. Say that with me. Repentance is the entrance into the kingdom. But how many know we don't just repent once and then go live like we want to? Raise your hand if you understand. Repentance is not just the entrance. It's the means by which we explore and experience the vastness of God's reign and rule in the kingdom. Repentance is not something that when you hear the word repentance that your head drops and say, oh, what a bummer, I have to repent. Repentance is the way we continue to recalibrate and reorient our lives, our loves, and our longings so that they come into agreement and alignment with the God whose kingdom is never ending, everlasting, and eternal. Repentance is to the believer the great perpetual invitation to respond to God's summons through his son, Jesus Christ, to experience life as God actually designed it. One of my favorite verses that unpacks the implications of repentance is in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. It says this, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. And here's what I like to say. Repentance is the invitation to receive the unleashing of God's waves of refreshment. Every time we repent, we get more Jesus on the back end. Come on, somebody say amen. Every time we repent, every time we come out of agreement with every other kingdom, every other ideology, every other theory, every other path, Every other promise that's not anchored in the reality of the king, when we repent, we get back into alignment, come back into agreement with the king. He gives us more of Jesus. So do you think repentance is a good thing or a drudgery? Sometimes it's painful. And yes, sometimes it obviously involves turning from a sin or a habit. But more often than not, and those who are in the room who've been following Jesus, repentance is an everyday negotiation with the Holy Spirit. 
Because how many opportunities do you have each day to get out of step with the king in his kingdom way? A thousand ways. So how many opportunities are there to repent each day? Not because you willfully sin, but because you want to more wholeheartedly participate in the reign and rule of God in Jesus Christ. See, through that lens, repentance is like breathing. How many know that you have every right as a kingdom citizen, if you're in Christ Jesus, just every moment, it's just a breath prayer. Father, bring me into alignment with your son. Come on, every day when you're at work, when you're cleaning the dishes, man, I I, don't tell my wife this, but part of what I've been loving doing dishes lately is it's just that opportunity, just, just as you're cleaning the gunk and the muck and the mire, you're just like, It's like while I'm doing this physical activity, my spirit's praying, Father, wash me. I want to continue to come into greater alignment and greater agreement so that the kingdom and what the king wants and who the king is and what the king loves and what the king does can happen in and through my life increasingly by his spirit and by his grace. Repentance is that perpetual invitation to participate in the more that God has for us should we pursue it with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so central to repentance is saying yes to more of Jesus Christ in your life. Through that lens, how many want to adopt a lifestyle of repentance? And obviously, wrapped up in the very word repentance, metanoia is this it's this, it's this inner dialogue in your mind and your thinking and your thoughts. How many know, how many thoughts, just Google it for me, somebody just Google it. How many thoughts do you have each day? Shout it out. I mean, I'm sure someone's looked that up. How many thoughts as if they can quantify that? Come on, someone give me a, a stab. How many thoughts you think that you have a day? Okay, every person in this place has a smartphone. Can someone please tell me? Okay, Lance just found, he Googled how many thoughts we have a day. 60,000. Turn to your neighbor and say 60,000 thoughts. And here's my question. I was asking this to somebody I've been kind of coaching and discipling a little. I, I, I asked him this. How many of those thoughts do you think Jesus Christ wants to be in agreement and alignment with his kingdom? And so when we think about repentance as primarily it's coming to agreement and alignment, not just in our hearts, our longings, our ambitions, our, our affections, but it's also coming into alignment to begin to think as the king thinks, to begin to see what this as the king sees. So how many know you're never done with repentance because the king always has more for you to participate in? And if you have 60,000 thoughts a day, And this is the primary way the enemy attacks you in the place of your identity, in the place of your security, in the place of your sense of belonging, in the place of your sense of purpose and destiny. How many know that if we don't adopt this lifestyle of repentance and continue to bring every thought and just introducing it to Jesus' rule and his reign, what he thinks, what he feels, what he wants, what he wills, every thought is an opportunity to more wholeheartedly participate in the reign and rule of God. I want you to see how practical the kingdom is and how dynamic of an invitation it is to be invited by the one who invented life itself to pattern your life after the inventor of it. And we primarily do that one thought at a time. 
I'm a failure. I am, I am my mistakes. So one thought at a time. No, in the blood of Jesus, I'm a new creation. You see, every thought, every thought I'm supposed to take and introduce it to the reign and to the rule of Jesus. This is the lifestyle of repentance. We're renewed. Did you know the Bible actually never says to renew your heart? When he gives you a new heart, he gives you a new heart, but it tells you to perpetually renew your mind to agree with who you are on the inside. Everyone's Googling, does it really never say renew your heart? When he gives you a new covenant heart of Ezekiel 36, 24 through 27, he gives you a new heart. Come on, somebody say amen. He's the great gift giver. But how many know that the agreement with what God has done in your heart is an everyday moment by moment reality that your mind must engage with the Holy Spirit in partnership in. I agree with what you've done in me, Jesus. Come on, somebody say, I agree with what you've done in me, Jesus. I agree with who you say I am, Jesus. This is the work of repentance, the transformation of our heart, our mind, our body, and our life. Can I move on from repentance? Trick question, never. I'm just kidding. So Jesus announces the kingdom. The reign and the rule of God is here. It's with me. I am him. I'm the king, the long hoped for, the long prophesied, anticipated king. I'm in your midst. And my call is singular. Repent and believe. Switch allegiances. Change your kings. Change your your longings, your affections, your allegiances. Respond to me, the king in your midst. Repent. Change your mind. Stop whatever path you're on and start following me and believe. Trust me with all that you are. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, in every capacity, I am worthy of your trust. I'm worthy of your wholehearted affection and allegiance. And you'd think, you know, if a king is in your midst, and he's doing all this preaching and proclaiming, and none of this is for, none of this is just an opinion, it's an announcement that something has taken place. You think, what's Jesus going to do next? He just announces his kingdom He calls us to repent and believe the good news. Is he headed to Jerusalem to pick out the cushion for his throne? Is he headed to pick the hill on the east side of Jerusalem where he wants to set up his palace? No, Jesus goes on a walk around a body of water, (laughs) which should tell us something about how his kingdom operates. It goes on to say in verse 16, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they had fished for a living. Jesus called to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Here's what I think is so breathtaking about the life and ministry of Jesus and the way his kingdom works. Jesus has announced the kingdom's here, it's at hand. Obviously, if you read the gospels, a huge part of the kingdom is he's healing, he's raising, he's forgiving, he's cleansing, he's just doing all sorts of things that what it looks like when God is in the room. Where what God wants, who God is, what God loves and what God wills is happening without restriction. Jesus is saying, here it is, the kingdom. And what does he do? He goes on a walk around the lake. 
You think, Jesus, can't you just snap your finger and establish your kingdom already? Why can't you just wave your magic kingdom wand and how many know this is not the way the kingdom works? Because at the very beginning of time, God made Adam and Eve in his image and his desire from beginning to end is partnership, not overtake, throw down, you know, robot, zomb- not zombies, robots. So the kingdom's here, repent and believe. He goes on a walk around the lake and I've been to the lake, the Sea of Galilee, it's gorgeous. And here he is and he's beginning his ministry. And the first thing Jesus does is he's looking for partners. This is unbelievable to me. Jesus goes on a walk after announcing the kingdom is here. It's at hand. It's breaking in. And he goes on a walk and he finds a couple friends who will join him on his kingdom mission. And right here we see what repentance and belief in the king will actually look like in your everyday life. What does repentance look like? What does belief or trust in Jesus look like? Following Jesus and fishing for people. How do I know I'm following Jesus? How do I know I'm repenting or responding? I'm following Jesus and I'm fishing for people. What, What does repentance and belief lead to? Following Jesus and fishing for people. Why? Because if I'm responding to the king's invitation and repentance and faith, that means I'm going to then adopt the life and the lifestyle of the king, the one who's called me to give full allegiance, full surrender to. And how many know that Jesus came to fish for people? Jesus came, and Lance already sang this song brilliantly. Whatever the Father's doing, he followed it. Whatever whatever the Father's saying, he's saying it. Wherever the Father's going, he's going. Whatever the Father's doing, he's doing. How many know the reason Jesus can call without batting an eye those he's calling to follow him is because he himself was a follower of all that was in the Father's heart. This is our primary calling as disciples, to follow Jesus and fish for people. I love one commentary said this, when one is hooked by Jesus, one's whole life and purpose are transformed. To be a disciple is to accept Jesus's demands unconditionally. And Jesus requires absolute obedience. One of my mentors said it like this, immediately and completely. The king is in our midst and he's calling us to follow him. When? When we feel like it, when it's convenient, no, now. The kingdom is here, it's at hand, immediately and completely. I was telling my kids this week, we were um, sitting in the living room, and I said, kids, here's our new family motto. Repeat after me when I say it. We follow Jesus. We fish for people as a family. We follow Jesus. We fish for people as a family. And my kids got it. Because the kingdom is at hand, because the king has come, because his invitation is always before us, follow me, fish for people as a family. Friends, this is why we are living on the earth, to follow Jesus, to be his disciples, to participate in his mission and his kingdom plan. Repentance is the entrance, and it's also the way we keep on exploring all that God has for us in Christ. 
Now here's the lie. That you have to follow Jesus a certain amount of time, go to a certain amount of classes, memorize a certain amount of passages, go through 101, 201, 301, every 01, and then finally you'll be able to tell others that they too can follow Jesus. How many want to just demolish that lie right here and right now? (laughs) It's so significant. Here are these knucklehead disciples, fishermen. Jesus says, you're going to follow me, and guess what? I'm going to turn you into a fisher for people. How many know to not, to, to say I follow Jesus and to not take serious his call to turn me into a fisher of people is to woefully misunderstand what it means to follow Jesus. Because as the king goes, so go those who follow the king. We find this later in the gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 2. The teachers, verse 16, and the religious leaders saw Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners. And they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've not come to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. How many know to follow Jesus is to find yourself surrounded by people who do not know Jesus? Come on, over here, does anyone agree with that? To follow Jesus means if we're following him and he's getting pegged as a friend of sinners, of tax collector, of drunkards, that to follow Jesus faithfully means that we will inevitably find ourselves around, surrounded by those who don't yet know Jesus, and that is exactly God's plan. Because our motto is, we follow Jesus. We fish for people. As a family. Come on, I don't want you to remember anything else, but you would begin to say that before every meal on your way to work. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a, I fish for people, and I'm in the family of God. We follow Jesus. We fish for people as a family. We follow Jesus. Fish for people as a family. Until someone says it, I'm going to keep saying it. We follow Jesus. Fish for people as a family. Next week, we're going to unpack what does it mean to fish. (laughs) And so you say, Chad, the last part, if we're supposed to follow Jesus and fish for people, do I have to do that all alone? Look how Mark goes on. Mark chapter 3, verse 13. Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and he called the ones he wanted to go with him. They came to him, and then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him. He would send them out to preach, and he gave them authority to cast out demons. He went up. He called. They came. He appointed. Why? So that they would be with him. He sent them out to have authority. Friends, I want you to know that the greatest invitation to participate in the kingdom by following the king and fishing for people, is that we get to do it together. Maybe that's good news for the only two of you who clapped, but that's really good news for those of us who, by nature, are maybe a little bit insecure. I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm doing the best I can. Aren't you thankful that God has called us to do this with him in the Holy Spirit and together as a spiritual family? We follow Jesus, fish for people as a family. We follow Jesus, fish for people as a family. 
Jesus said in Mark 3, I love how the gospel progresses and I'm done with this point. Jesus replied, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And then he looked around at those around him and said, look, these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and my sister and my mother. Did you know that when you respond to the call to follow Jesus, when you say yes to repentance once and ongoing as a lifestyle, when you place your trust and your hope and all of your allegiance and affection on Jesus, that you find yourself born again in a big, old, huge, multi-ethnic, global family that all looks different, but all are gathered and shaped by the king at the center of the community that holds it all together, forms and fashions it. Did you know that we are a part of a spiritual family called the church? How many are thankful that we don't have to do life alone, that there's a family that we have a place to belong to? We have a spiritual family that's meant to provide care and encouragement that helps encourage the character of Jesus to grow and flow in us. And in closing, as I was talking to my friend this week, I thought, what is one of the main roles? This is to, to, to continue Pastor Andrew's thought about the role of the heart. I forgot, what are the main points for the sermon today? We follow Jesus as a, say it one more time, we, we follow Jesus, fish for people as a family. I thought, what is one of the main roles of the family of God? Please tell me you know it's more than just sitting in a folding chair. Come on. It's, it includes sitting in a folding chair, but that's not all. I love how Mark's gospel continues. So here it is. The kingdom's here. Repent and believe. Participate, man. I got a place in the kingdom story with you. How do I do that? By following me and fishing for people. Do I do that alone? Nope. Those who do my will, you're in a big family. It's the family business. Look how Mark ends my last thought today. What is the role of the family, the primary role of the family of believers? How many have ever heard of the parable of the soil or the parable of the seed? Raise your hand. Jesus tells a parable. It's an epic story about the seed. The farmer throws the seed and some seed falls on the path. Some seed falls on rocky ground. Some falls on thorny ground and some falls in good soil. And here's what I've never seen. I'm not saying this is the only way to read the parable, but I'm saying in light of this talk, following Jesus, fishing for people as a family, I thought the parable of the sower is meant to shape the way we rethink what it means to be a participant in God's family. What if when we got together, our first question after we ask, of course, how did following Jesus fishing for people go to this week? I saw the parable of the sower, the, 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 the soils, as an invitation to a deeper, more kingdom-shaped vision of community. As a spiritual family, what do you think our primary job, after we say yes to the Lordship of Jesus, what is our fundamental primary job in the family of God? I believe, according to this parable, it's to check on the condition of our brothers and sisters' hearts. What if when we got together, after again, we talked about how did following Jesus go this week? What do we need to work on? 
Where did you feel like you got off the path and you, you, you missed the opportunity? Let's repent and believe the good news again. Come on, somebody. Say amen. And how did it go fishing for people? You know, asking questions, being winsome, keeping your eyes open. Jesus said the harvest is ripe and plentiful, but the workers are few. So the, the harvest field around us, for those who don't know Jesus, it's always before us. Did you have eyes to see it? Oh, no. Okay, this week, let's go after it. And then what if after we ask those questions, we say, how's the condition of your heart? See, the parable of the sower, I believe, is to shape the way we rethink about what it means to be in the family of God. We don't just talk about our common interests. We don't just talk about, hey, how are you feeling today? It's a, no, is there something in your life or your heart that is stealing the seed of God's kingdom? Let's declare war on it and see more of the kingdom this week than last week. And I've never read the parable of the sower as an invitation to a kind of community whose primary concern with each other is how's the seeds of the kingdom growing in your heart? How many believe that you and I occasionally maybe miss a kingdom seed that Jesus throws our way on a weekly basis? What if part of our community family responsibility is to say, where do you think you missed it? All right, this week, we're not going to miss it. Let's declare war. Let's, let's declare victory over that area. So when that seed of the kingdom comes this week, it finds good soil instead of indifferent, crusty, hard soil. What if as a family who are following Jesus, as a what if as a family, we see, we see someone kind of start with a little bit of zeal and joy and we don't squelch that, we celebrate it. Come on, somebody. It's not a spiritual gift if you're wiser in the faith to diminish the legitimacy of someone's hunger and longing, even if they're new in the faith. Come on, how many want to be a community that no matter how infantile or, or, or youthful or zealous someone's faith, as a community, those who are a little farther down the road, our job is just to gas to throw gasoline on that fire, not say, well, someday they'll find difficulty in life and then they'll be boring like me. Amen. But there is a place where when we see someone, maybe their character is a little bit out of sync with the king and we see they have that initial growth and fruit, but there's an area, there's some rockiness in their soil. What if as a family, we're like, hey, I got a kingdom bulldozer. Let's go to work on that huge rock so the seed can go deeper. Am I talking to anyone today? And I think primarily here's the kingdom work of the kingdom family. It's the thorny soil. What if after we saw each other each week or on social media or on the phone call, whoever you're doing life with beyond Sunday morning, in addition to, I should say, in addition to Sunday morning, it was, hey, how's following Jesus going? How's fishing for people going? Are you participating in family and community? And after we do those three questions, we say, is there anything in your life that you can discern that's choking out the life that Jesus wants to grow in you? The thorns. See, I, I, I think, yes, do I think that the enemy can steal seeds from your life? Sure. But if you're a believer, if you're, you're trying, submitting to the grace of God and following the Spirit, man, I believe that what the Lord wants to get in you, he can accomplish that if you have a yes in your heart. But I'm convinced that most of us can live in soil number three where we're following Jesus, but we're kind of dull. We're kind of indifferent. We're kind of bogged down with the worries and concerns. And what if as a spiritual family, you and I weren't just like, oh, I think they'll pull it out. They'll come back to sort of wholeheartedness. What if as a spiritual family, we felt it was our responsibility to come alongside and say, look, man, 
There's some thorns that you and I both know are in your life. Let's partner with the great gardener, the vine dresser, Jesus, and let's have him prune those things so that you can get on experiencing more of kingdom abundance and fruitfulness in your life. How many want to be a part of that community? We all say amen until you're the one that has the thorn and you need a brother to come and say, dude, you're sharp and pointy today and not in a good way. But how else do we grow, friends? But through the pain, through the difficulty, through the reality that, man, I was out of step with the king and his kingdom. I need spiritual family to see those blind spots, those things in me that are protruding. You know, you see the thorns those things that are, I can't even see because of my peripheral vision, but someone in my spiritual family can see. And every time I get around, whenever this topic gets brought up, I point, I poke somebody. And I'm convinced one of the best ways we can follow Jesus, fish for people as a family, as we continue the flow of thought in Mark's gospel, is to be a people who we don't just eventually get around to, but as a primary reason we gather, we check in on each other's hearts. Just stop right now. Who checked in on your heart this week and don't feel condemned? None of us are necessarily good at it. But seriously, did anyone ask you how your heart was this week? This is not to condemn, friends. This is to call us higher. Can you say amen? This is not to condemn. We don't, we we talk about politics. We talk about our favorite this. We talk about that. But friends, it is central in these days as there are so many proclamations and promises and declarations as kingdom citizens, as those who are following Jesus, fishing for people as a family, it is essential that you and I have a heart that is unencumbered by the cares, by the lusts, by the worries, by the ways the world works, so that the kingdom fruit that Jesus Christ can enable us to grow, to bear for the healing of nations, has no restrictions, but can come forth in an hour where there's so many who are atrophied, so many who are hungry and longing for something of substance, something to touch them beyond the greatest thing that's going in culture in the moment. And friends, it is our task as a spiritual family to go to the heart, to get to the heart. As Pastor Andrew preached, it's not just an individual me and Jesus thing. I need you to stay so that I can continue to experience kingdom life as Jesus Christ designed and destined. So we follow Jesus And how many are experts at that? None of us. Repent and believe. How many times on a daily basis you think we need to repent and believe? And we fish for people. How many of us are good at that? Almost none of us. Why? My agenda is always so important and big, and I rush past that person and this person, and I think, man, this situation revolves around me, and I forget, oh, wait, I'm here as a fisher of people, not just a consumer of the bait. Oh, I like that. (laughs) And then we do that as a family. Everyone say, as a family. And one of the primary ways we remain effective at following Jesus and fishing for people is having a heart unencumbered by the trappings of the lusts of the flesh and desires for other things that choke the kingdom life out of us. So what do we do? This is as simple as a talk as I can give. I'm I'm landing the plane. We follow Jesus. We fish for people as a family. And as a family, Please, I beseech you, ask somebody, look around this room right now or outdoors, or if you're online, think of one or two people. You can check in on their heart this week. How's your heart? 
How's it going following Jesus, fishing for people as a family? How's your heart? This is family business to check in on each other's hearts. How's your desire for Jesus and his kingdom? Has something or someone else crept in and is it taking up territory or occupying space that Jesus wants to flood with his kingdom presence, power, provision, and abundance? Let's go after that. And then he says, and the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest, some 30, 60, even 100 times as much planted. Now answer me this, because most of us just think in an individual lens, what would it look like if a community, because we did community at that level, what would the compound interests of a bunch of people whose hearts are unencumbered by the thorns and cares and worries of this world, what if all of us were doing by the grace of God, the 30, 60, 100 times more than what was sown. Can you imagine the compounding interest of kingdom impact of a people who are following Jesus, fishing for people as a family are experiencing in their life? See, it's one thing for you to experience 30, 60, 100 times full, full, and you're this singular tree that's bearing fruit, but what happens when a whole forest of God's people start bearing fruit where they're planted? Come on, somebody. A forest of fruitfulness of a people who are following Jesus, fishing for people as a family. Now, as I close this week, I was thinking about, does anyone think there are other things that are pulling at your heart on a regular basis to follow them and to give them your ambition, your, 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 your affections, your, <laughs> your longings? Anyone think we're being pulled 24-7, 365? You think, Chad, it's not that serious to follow Jesus or fish for people as a family. And I started thinking, what are some of the most formative, attention-grabbing, and keeping forces on the earth? And what, what are the, what's the language we use to describe them? How many know one of the greatest influencers, and this is super unfortunate, is 24-7 cable news? How many would say that's one of the greatest influencers forming people's attention, affections, longings? Come on, let's, can we please be honest, for goodness sake. Guess what we call it? The newsreel. Come on, I, this came to me like a ton of bricks this week as I was preparing. We call it the newsreel. I know it's like newsreel, like old school films, but go with me. We're talking about being fished for. The newsreel, they make money by grabbing your attention and keeping it. So why is following Jesus so important is because something else is going to be fishing for your heart. And then look at this. What do we call social media? We call it our social media feed. So the news reel. Give me your attention. Give me your affection. Give me all of your emotions and your anger and your fear and your worry. Just keep the channel on, man. I'm fishing. I'm fishing. It's the news reel. And then if that's not worse, then we go to our social media feeds and we're just feasting on hate, division, all, you know, us versus them. Am I being honest with anybody in, 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 in the outdoor room? And then look what we call it. This is the worst. We call it clickbait. Follow Jesus, fish for people as a family. Why is that so intense and so necessary? Because you are being called to follow some other master Lord promising some utopian future that no one can deliver on save the one who is the fulfillment of every promise, yes and amen, in Christ Jesus. 
You are being, you're being fished after. You're being called to follow. You're being called to be formed in the image of, fill in the blank of your idol or your ideology. But only Jesus Christ at the end of the road that he calls you to follow, at the end of it is the most vibrant, compelling type of person because it's meant to be formed in the very image of the one who created life itself, Jesus Christ. So the newsreel, the social media feed, and the clickbait... So don't tell me you're following and feasting on Jesus if you're perpetually being reeled in, fed by, and biting the bait of those things that are pulling for your attention. Can we just have an honest talk? What if right now, and that's the reason why the call to the kingdom life is repent. You know, the first step of repentance is you stop. Stop. What is the, uh, what's the line that the real is pulling my heart, my attention, my affection, my thinking, my emotions? What's pulling me in? What am I feeding or feasting on? And what, when I see it, just pulls me, heart, soul, mind, and body? Friends, I would propose today that Jesus Christ wants to be on the other end of all of those things. Jesus Christ and life in his kingdom. This is why the breathtaking invitation before us today is to follow him, to be formed by him as we obey and walk with him, to fish for other people, and to do this together as a family. You stand up on your feet with me. There are not, there's not one person on the planet that is currently not following someone or something, agree or disagree. Jesus calls us to follow him, to respond to him so that we can participate in his kingdom together as a family. There are people all around us longing to live out of a better story. And as you say yes to the king and his kingdom, to following Jesus, fishing for people as a spiritual family, pursuing that place of wholeheartedness and becoming that community that takes seriously the call to check in on each other, to be like co-gardeners of each other's hearts, that we would live that unencumbered, not weighed down by all the various things that try to bait us or reel us in, but yet we, we zone in on the very, the very person and work of Jesus Christ with his word, his presence, and his plan. Friends, this is the call before us this hour to respond. How many today would say, man, I've got my orders this week. I'm gonna follow Jesus, fish for people as a family. God, I pray right now for my friends here outdoors and those watching online, that we would have revelation by your Holy Spirit, that you are disrupting us. You're calling us higher. You're calling us further and deeper to follow you, to be empowered, to turn around and fish for others. Those who would just be overwhelmed by the thought of being invited by Jesus to do life. No, Lord, we don't do any of this alone. We have your presence and your power, and we have each other. 
I pray, Lord, that you'd strengthen us in all three areas, in our following of you, in our fishing of others, sharing the gospel in both word and deed, and the participation of being in a spiritual family together. Father, we just pray for breakthrough in all of these areas. And right now, Lord, as Pastor Andrew preached on the the heart last week, Father, even now, would you continue to just search and know us on the inside? And would we be those people that have good soil because of the grace of God that's actively working in us to receive, to nurture, and to cherish the seeds of your kingdom? We just bless you. We thank you. And as I close, I just want to know, just by a show of hands, if, if you need, because so I didn't get to the ministry of Jesus, that's another talk, obviously. But a huge sign that the kingdom is in our midst is that the king is having his way. And who here just needs a touch physically in your body? You need the king to touch your body. If some sort of physical healing, could you just raise your hand? Don't be shy. If you're by somebody that has a raised hand, can you just go close to them, honor space, uh, look at their bracelets and their color, but can we just, before we land the plane, can we just agree that the kingdom of God would break in in this place? Just wait for a few seconds. Raise them high again if you need to touch the spirit. You need, you need a healing in your body. The king is in our midst. Maybe for you, it's not physical, but emotional. There's something you've been just holding on to. There's a snare in your thinking. And you're living the best you can in a a lifestyle of repentance, but you need someone to come alongside you and agree that that stronghold in your mind or your thinking is broken down. If that's you, can you raise your hand? If you need some breakthrough in your thinking or your emotions, come on, friends. Let's go to some friends who are raising their hand. They need breakthrough. They need the kingdom of God in their thinking, in their mindset. Just minister to each other for a minute. And you know, we don't always do this just like we don't always check in on each other's hearts. We don't always follow up and say, how did it go? Did anyone, no pressure, did anyone sense a tangible touch in their body or their mind? Can you just say amen? Anyone in the place that sensed God's presence touched their life, their heart, their physical body or their mind? Father, we just pray that central to being a a kingdom disciple who follows Jesus and fishes for people is that the central cry of our heart is let the kingdom of heaven break into the earth. Let the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven. And so Father, in all of those areas, we need the on earth as it is in heaven reality manifest. Would you let it be so in Jesus' name? Whatever it is, whatever the need, whatever the scenario, whatever the situation, let the kingdom of God break in to the earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Praise God. So what are we doing this week? What are we going to do this week and every week until we see Jesus? We're going to
Oh, come on. Someone had it back here. We're going to follow Jesus, fish for people as a family. All in favor, say aye. Amen. Love you guys. Be sure to sign up at the tables. If you need prayer or ministry, come on up front. Let's continue to follow Jesus, fish for people as a family. Amen. Amen. I might say, if you need help following Jesus, please come. Um, I'm going to have Pastor Andrew come up here and just a few of us, if you need help getting started on your journey to follow, we really want to be able to help you do that.